Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. We're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, and pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and also syndicated on missionsradio.org and liveleadplay.com. So the family structure and foundation is really important to me because it's the number one defense against teenage substance abuse, pregnancy, depression, stress, and so much more. My Amazon number one best-selling book called Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership 15 Simple Tips Successful Companies Use That Families Can Implement at Home is really a key to creating a family that's productive, harmonious, and unified in values, missions, visions, and goals. It helps parents make a conscious choice on their family foundation, structure, and culture. It's going to give you very easy, digestible, concrete tools that you can start right now. And the great thing is, because I know how busy we are as parents, it's only 30 pages of content, and you're going to be able to finish this book before your lunch break is even over. The link to purchase the book is in the show notes, or you can just search it on Amazon. It's called The Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership. Thank you for joining us on our segment of our radio show called Teen to Parent Talk. So I've gathered some 18 to 23-year-olds who will not only be sharing with you the parent, their insights, advice, tribulations, hopes, and dreams, but they're also going to be giving the same to our teens. We'll be talking about everything from social media to substance abuse to mental illness to divorce to what's going on in school. My goal here is for young adults to be bridging the gap between you and your kids so that you can create this beautiful, harmonic, deep, and really meaningful family that you're working towards creating. This is the environment that our children thrive in. The dictionary defines stress as physical, mental, or emotional strain or tensions. And every day, 87% of us, of the whole population, live under this type of stress. We worry about money. We worry about school, children, jobs, our significant others and hundreds of other things on a daily basis. And statistics shows that the average teen of today has the same stress and anxiety level of a psychiatric patient in the 1950s. The survey also shows that the college students, that 80% of them say they frequently or sometimes experience daily stress, and 80% of them are experiencing this in a very high level. And even our high school students, 40% are reported to feeling a great deal of stress on a daily basis. And 98% of all degenerative disease is caused by stress. So think about this. Stress can work for you, but it can definitely work against you if you do not know how to handle it. Today, I have two very special guests who is going to help provide some insights on this topic and what we can do as parents to help our kids. The first is my very special co-host. She's here again, and I'm so excited to have her as my special co-host guest. She was here as an expert guest recently. She began her journey in 2005 in the field of helping professionals as a volunteer for free arts for abused children. She now specializes in addiction and recovery work, complex trauma, and anxiety. 
She's a licensed MFT and registered art therapist. And I'd like to welcome back Anna Perkle. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you for creating this. I just think it's so important that we hear from the younger people. This is where our wisdom is really going to come from. Yeah. Our special expert guest today, he's currently the University of Pennsylvania. He previously attended Miracosta High School and is from the Manhattan Beach area of Los Angeles. He is currently studying cognitive science and is very interested in pursuing a potential career in clinical psychology, experimental psychology, or mental health policy. He's currently involved in multiple mental wellness organizations at Penn and is also a bassoonist in the Penn Orchestra. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Brian Chow. Hi there. Hi, thank you so much for having me back, Jacqueline. It's always wonderful to be here. I'm so glad you're here today. I know you're on summer break, so is it a good break from college? It's been wonderful. It's so great just to be able to catch up with old, old friends. It can be really stressful just being in the whole swing of things in college, just so many things to be able to do. So it's really nice to be able to just come back, ground myself with family, ground myself with people that I've basically grown up with. And you're dressing well with college? Yeah, I feel like it's been a journey so far. I mean, first year was a little bit rough in terms of just being able to find the best way to be able to acclimate to everything. I mean, grades were a little bit rough first semester, but since then I've been doing a lot better in terms of what I've been getting myself involved with. So hopefully that's a trend that continues. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the future is going to hold, but so far it's going well. Let's get right into stress. What is stress and pressure? What's your definition of that? And how does it feel? My definition of stress and pressure. I would say that they're two separate things. Stress to me, I feel like is something that you experience, something that you feel. It's really hard to um, describe it. It's something that's um, both positive and it's something that's negative. And in a lot of ways, it can help motivate you. In a lot of ways, it can really hinder you from being able to do what you're doing. And I mean, I don't an expert to talk about what it's like to feel stress. Yeah. And pressure, I feel like, is a lot of the different factors that contribute towards stress. They're very, very interrelated, but I feel like pressure is a set of factors that contribute and cause, contribute to and cause stress. What are some of the different pressures that you're having right now? Right now, pressures. The biggest thing that I'm trying to figure out right now is trying to figure out if I want to come back here, which would probably be the best sort of the best scenario for me, or if I'm going to have to end up staying in Philadelphia. That's something that's been on my mind. I was hoping to knock out some interviews um, this week, but um, unfortunately, some things kind of just fell through. I'm, I'm not able to go back to the company that I worked at last summer since they want to be able to recruit some new people, just get people exposed to the new environment, but trying to still work through that at this point. Classes as well, like the usual, a lot of different things, just organizational stuff that I have to do for different clubs that I'm involved in. Just How do you cope when the stress and pressure comes up? coping mechanisms for stress and pressure. I feel like it really depends on the day. Like there are a lot of times when I feel like the best thing I, I really need to do is just take a walk, just think about things that are going through my mind. And there are other times when I just want to be able to just sit in and just being able to think and introspect. A lot of times like that can contribute more towards the stress because I think about all the things that are going on, but um, it really depends on the day. It also depends on the different kinds of pressures that are going on. I mean, if it's a family pressure, then it may be very different than if it's just a normal pressure that I might be going through right now. Does your campus offer anything in particular to be supportive? They do. They offer very wonderful services. The counseling psychological services at my school are very helpful in terms of helping students get through what it is that they're going through. I mean, people have different experiences with it and what they uh, think about therapy. But based on what I've seen, the program is very wonderful. There's some things that I have thoughts about in regards to that. There's a lot of avenues that I feel like I could go to if I need to talk to somebody. 
I haven't really stayed true to that, but hopefully we'll see what happens in the future. I mean, just there's so much going on at this point. How about parents supporting from long distance? Is there anything that parents can do to to reach out to you? To I actually haven't really been talking to my parents as much as I'd like to. I understand that they're all very busy at this point. I mean, my parents are currently separated. They're currently trying to figure out what it is that they're doing in their lives. They're kind of trying to take that next step in terms of figuring out their relationships with other people. So I usually try my best to not interfere with that kind of stuff. Every now and then I will try to talk to them, just try and tell them what's going on. I mean, this these past couple of semesters have been rough in terms of just being able to find different avenues in terms of being able to reach out to different people. But to answer your question, I mean, it's it's a, it's a yes, but it could definitely be a lot more prevalent right now. How is stress different when you were, say, in high school and junior high as opposed to now, or if there's any different? I feel like the main difference is that you're on your own in college. When you go to a different place that could be close to home or far away from home, you still have to take a lot of responsibility for the actions that you're going to be doing. You're the one who sets your own schedule. You're the one who has the power to choose what it is that you want to do. And a lot of that can take a lot of responsibility and it can be very difficult when you first um, get exposed to that. And that was definitely something that I had a hard time adjusting to when I first came to college. On the other hand, like you just learn so much about yourself from doing it. I mean, even though there's a lot of stress that goes into it and there are a lot of pressures that are kind of closing in on you. It's something that you really find out how you deal with adversity and how you best cope with stuff that's going on in your life. And I think we see all these soccer parents and these parents that really drive their kids. And I always wonder how much contributing factor do parents put pressure on you? Because we t- you talked about school and more external thing, but was there any pressure inside the family? Yeah. Throughout my childhood, there was a lot of stress and pressure going on inside the family. A lot of it was my parents directed towards each other, but there was also a portion of it that was directed towards me. I remember at a very young age that my parents really wanted to push me to really succeed in what it is that I was doing. And I just remember just throughout the second half of elementary school and the first portion of middle school, I just remember feeling like my parents were kind of watching over my back in terms of how I was doing with school, how I was doing with other extracurricular activities, making sure that I was doing well and all those things. And it was it was really unsettling for a good portion of the time. But at the same time, it helped make me into the person that I am today. So I can't really complain too much in terms of how that ended up having an effect. But in terms of other forms of pressure, I mean, my parents are currently separated right now. There is a really long history to that. And that was definitely a big source of stress when I was growing up for me and my siblings. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So long story short, this happened in my senior year when my parents first got separated. I mentioned in a previous show that my parents did fight a lot when I was younger. And it kind of got to the point where people were they were just arguing and they weren't really seeing each other's point of view. And it just eventually escalated to the point where a lot of hurtful things were being said to each other and just a lot of misunderstanding. And I'm just coming back from my point of view. I, I it's, it's really... It makes sense why things ended up the way they did. I mean, they're both very different people. They both come from very different backgrounds. And I can go into the entire story behind this. I don't know if I'll be able to touch on all the details, but my mother's mother died when she was about 12 years old. So she basically ended up having to raise herself for a good portion of her life. And my father, um, his parents were very, I don't know the best way to put it, but they were just very cognizant of what he was doing. They really tried to dictate what he was going to be doing in his life throughout a good portion of his childhood. So two very different backgrounds coming into contact with each other. 
And on one hand, you have my dad who really wants to be able to do what he wants to do, like really break away from that environment that he came from, really pursue what he wants to pursue, really just take control of his own life. And you have my mother who's a very just knows what she wants in terms of doing what she wants to do because she basically spent her entire life raising herself or a good portion of her life raising herself. And you just see those two different ideologies clashing with each other. It's kind of like a fight for control in a way. And a lot of times they're just really... So you felt this tension between them. Yeah, there was a lot of tension when I was growing up. You know, the one thing, Anna, and you can maybe elaborate on this, is I recently learned about domestic abuse, Mm -hmm. is that when children feel the tension, hear their parents fighting, even see any kind of violence, that it's as if they were experiencing it as the victim too, and creating the same emotional anxiety and all that. Not only do they experience it, but sometimes even worse than the actual people that are going through it. Children know that they're vulnerable, that they are counting on these two big people to do a good job. And when the and when the big people are not doing a good job, no matter what age, even through high school, they just realize that it's not safe. And so almost in a way, it's like my life is at risk here. Like this is really, really dangerous type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also just to clarify, you mentioned domestic violence. Domestic violence isn't necessarily people hitting each other. Quite often, it's it's some of what you're talking about here. Where, you know, it's just people are saying really hurtful things and trying to undermine each other. Uh, it's, it's of course, much bigger than that. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this show. But yeah, we can have another show on that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Little people are very much affected by loud voices, mean things being said. They can internalize it in the strangest ways that we as adults would never even fathom. I um, mean, they might be very unconscious as well. They're not even aware that, that it's affecting them as small people. So, again, if you're going to test somebody... They may not be able to put on the test that it even bothers them because yeah. um, it's just unconscious and they, they know this as normal. It's normal to have my parents yelling and screaming and I don't realize that my adrenaline system is getting run because of this. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't be able to describe any of that. Yeah. And I think research has shown that also if they just hear the parents call each other names or putting each other down, their mind will take it in as if they were. You know, like maybe the the dad is yelling, you're no good to the mom, but then the child is hearing, I'm no good. Well, the fact of the matter is that child is half mom, half dad. That's true. It's just a fact. So, you know, if if mom is a a piece of crap, then I'm a piece of crap. Mm -hmm. Okay. If dad is lazy, then I'm lazy. That's their half mom, half dad. So if you're going to insult your spouse, you might as well be insulting your child. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I feel like a big problem that I was trying to deal with when I was growing up was whenever I was in the middle of fights between my parents, I would always try and internalize that. And I'd always feel somewhat responsible for what was going on. Because I mean, I'm the oldest sibling as well. And if something were to happen, like, if there is just even a small point of contact, then the entire situation would escalate to encompass everyone in the family. And there are just a lot of times when I felt responsible for what was going on, even if just looking back, it wasn't entirely my fault. It takes two different people to be able to make the conflict. And just I'm trying to realize that even to this day. But I, I had a really hard time just trying to make sense of it. And I always felt like I was the easiest person to blame uh, looking back on my past experiences. The other thing that I'm thinking right now is that even though you're outside of the household now and you're off in college, mm-hmm. that wiring of I am responsible and you know these people are, are upset around me and I need to do something to like make it better goes with you, even mm-hmm. if you're not in that house. So it can impact your relations with your friends at college. Um, Absolutely. And wanting to take care of them and, and not allowing enough space for yourself. Yeah. I want to pay the little bit of the devil advocates here. 
we know what we talked about what the parents are doing. What kind of pressure or stress do you think that maybe you could have created? In terms of pressure and stress that I could have created, I mean, I just feel like there are a lot of times when I, especially when I was really young, I would always try to impose myself on my parents and I would always try and um, expect thing, expect them to do things that I, I mean, looking back now that they may have not been capable of doing and just trying to really just try to push them when that probably wasn't the best thing that could have been done. I mean, I remember like I tried to fix my parents. I remember just when I was really little and just, I tried my best to like, okay, this is what I like. I tried to moderate whatever things were going on. And I was just, it was really funny. I was just this little kid just trying to tell adults how to act. And um, just looking back, I just, that's not the best way to go about things. I mean, you have to realize that your parents are human beings too, that you can't expect too much from them. I feel like that expectation that I tried to force onto them, I mean, it was another source of stress and pressure. And just looking back at that, I didn't do much to help that when everything's were going on. There are also things that happened where I would end up putting my parents down because I personally felt like I was being attacked for whatever reason. Just looking back at on some of the hurtful things that I've said to both my dad and my mom in different encounters, like it was, it's something that, that I wouldn't want to emulate in the future. You know, I think this just goes back to the same thing as we talked, I think, in earlier show is that you had something to say. You mm-hmm. were basically saying, please do this. It would make me feel better if you did this. And it goes back to listening, the listening skills. And then you felt put down because you're trying to make them do something that they weren't or couldn't do. Which, you know, is making me also think of the fact that we can't do a good job listening if we are in a fight, flight, freeze, nasty space ourselves. So if mom and dad are fighting and they're, they've got their adrenaline pumping, they're not listening. They're not capable of listening at that point. So, you know, the other piece of this is not only teaching parents how to listen, but how to calm themselves down, how to cool out, take some space and then come back to it and then be able to open their ears and listen. This is where meditation, centering yourself, the more you do it, I feel like the easier it is to go back. I know when I do it, it's like a default, like that's where my body should be in that state. And the more I do it, I find that when I am stressed, I can actually go back to that state much quicker than I could do, say, five years ago. It would take me longer to calm down. So it's like a muscle that the more you work at it, the quicker you can get back to that. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, pick your tool. I know, you know, it doesn't have to be meditation. It could be whatever, but if music, you don't, walk, right, whatever it is, but you need to practice it on a regular basis. Yep. Um, it's like going to the gym, you know, you're not going to pick up a hundred pounds if you haven't been building up to that yep. weight. And when you need it, it's not going to be there if you haven't been practicing it all along, but yeah, pick it, your yeah. yoga, meditation. Yeah. Some uh, people really breathing. love their animals. They'll, yeah. I've heard um, one lady tell me that when she sits on the couch and pets her cats, it totally calms her down. So whatever it is that creates that space for you, keep doing it so that you, your body actually, your what muscle memory, they talk about muscle, it goes right there. You don't even have to think about it. Your muscle remembers how to do it so that you can be better parents. You can be a better person because I would think that if the parents like this are the children, how are they acting at work? How are they acting to their partners? It's what you do in one instance is how you do in all things. Yeah, I really agree with what's been said. I mean, just looking back, it would have been really nice just for people to have that quiet space because that wasn't really something that I was used to when I was growing up. But just looking back, so much of it could have been alleviated. Everyone just kind of had the chance to just back away from 
mm-hmm. what they're doing. Just really just take time to think about things as opposed to just keep uh, continually going forward. It's like a snowball effect. Like it starts out small, but then it gradually gets bigger. And then as it gets bigger, yeah. it builds more momentum. And then there just has to be, come a time when everyone just needs to really just stop, ground themselves. Like think, is this what I really want to be happening? And am I coming from a place of insecurity right now? Do I, am I trying my, really to force my own feelings on someone else even though that may just contribute towards a vicious cycle or i mean it's it's really something that's interesting to think about yeah i'll quite often ask people what is your intent Mm -hmm. you know what are you trying to create um and ground yourself back in that you know let's make a big sign to put on your wall what are you what are you creating right now Mm -hmm. um and if it's not what you want if you're creating you know more ruckus and anger and frustration then, then yeah take some space and then come back to it Mm-hmm, definitely. And we're humans. We're going to get upset. We're going to get stressed and we're going to take things out on other people when we shouldn't be. And I think what's important is that we recognize, and this is about being conscious, looking, being able to reflect and say, wow, I shouldn't have said that to my child, my husband, my wife, and then being able to learn from it and go back and I think apologize mm-hmm. and just say, I'm so sorry, like, I know I hurt you or something, but I feel like there should be not just this yelling and fighting and then, okay, I go off on my own because you hurt people in one way or another and you need to recognize the wrath that you created. <laughs> well, and, you know, I really want to restory apology because a, a apology, a real sincere one, takes courage and vulnerability and strength to yeah. do. Um, to, to walk back and say, gosh, you know what? I don't like the way that came out. I might be angry and I have a point here, but I didn't deliver it well. So they have the break there to say, Hey, sorry. It really sincere, really sincere. sincere and, and, and what are you going to change? What are you going to do different this time? Yeah. It really makes me sad to hear again about a person, a small person being parentified because that's what happened in the situation where parents are fighting and then the child is, is trying to navigate it and, and yeah. shut it down and help it and make it different. And they're, of course, not equipped to handle any of that. And it's not their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even now, I'm, I'm starting to realize that my parents are human beings, that they're not perfect people. And yeah. I mean, just like just like myself, like they're human beings trying to navigate their own lives at this yeah. point. And it's, it's just a matter of being able to respect that, being able to respect that they have their own things that are going on. And whenever you see them in a vulnerable place, just give them that space to really just talk about what it is that they're going through. I mean, just really give them that opportunity to be themselves without feeling a need to, I guess, cover up the situation at all just because it may be uncomfortable. I'm still trying to understand what that's like just when it comes to other people. And my parents are the best example where I'm just trying to realize that they're they're human beings too. And things may not be going perfectly, then there's explanation behind that. And it's often a very there's a very long explanation that usually lasts the course of someone's entire life. So it's just a matter of being able to understand understand them in that different aspect and just being able mm-hmm. to really think about that. We're not suggesting we should be blaming your parents or anything today. I, I find this story to be very average and normal story that happens mm-hmm. in a lot of homes throughout mm-hmm. the entire United States. So this is this is an unusual. Um, I, again, I just feel like we haven't been taught how to do this different. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to give people the tools. Yeah. And I think children under maybe nine, eight, shouldn't see their parents argue at all. Because like we were saying, it they take it in. But I think once it gets to be like the teenage years, I think it's important because we're going to deal with conflict out there. So the children should see the whole process like, hey, there's a disagreement. And then there's a, 
how do we get together and meet in the middle or one person goes the other way because it's not as important. And, and then we resolve it and then we give hugs and, and this is how we end it. Instead of just they stem seeing only the yelling part because then what happens is we get these kids get to the adult area and then they go into the workplace and that's all they know. And this is how I resolve conflict, yelling and then storming off. And so I feel like once the kids get to be preteen, teenage years, it's, I'm not saying it's okay for parents to be yelling and calling each other's name. I'm just saying it's good for them to see the parents in disagreement so they can learn the process of getting to an agreement or a resolution. What do you I think? I absolutely think that it's critical for kids to actually see their parents model how to handle conflict. And even from a very young age, the challenge is with a very young crew, okay, when we're kindergarten first grade is that quite often these children can't wait for a long time to connect the end of the storyline. Yeah. You have to get there quickly yeah. um, because what they, they just learn in segments. Oh, okay. Mommy and daddy don't agree about this and they don't necessarily tie the end piece back to the original argument. It has to happen quick, which is why sometimes the cartoons are not so great. We think some of these stories, I'm trying to think of some of the cartoons right now, maybe even Dora the Explorer and some of the others, the younger crew are not equipped to watch them because if something mean or difficult happens at the beginning of the show, they're not necessarily able to tie that to the resolution that happens at the end. So absolutely model for your children conflict, uh, but the younger they are, the quicker you need to get to the solution. Okay, mommy and daddy disagreed about this, and this is how we found a way out type of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So especially but in the teenage years, they can definitely see that and maybe even be a part of helping so that it's a group, right? When you go to, I'm, I'm always thinking about how it relates to working in a company so that they learn that when they go to a company and they're working in a team, that they can also help with resolving conflicts or disagreement too. Depending on what the conflict is, for sure. I'm a big fan of team, family team meetings um, where we get together and solve problems together. Um, but if it's a very intimate couple, yeah. of course, issue, I would have them separately figure out what that yeah, is. But yeah, yeah if there's a, if something they can model, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's hard to make a blanket statement. Yeah. yeah, not every conflict. They're already facing this yeah. in kindergarten and first grade where they're trying to figure out how to play together, how to share, how to yeah. like, well, I don't want to play that game. Well, I don't want to play that rule. You know, they're trying to navigate yeah. that. So they, they need to see people being able to do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, I personally like what you said on about the whole aspect of resolution. Um, I feel like resolution is very, very important because it kind of helps the entire situation just kind of like be broken down. It, it allows you to really debrief on what's going on. And I feel like that can really be great in terms of being able to understand what's going on. Because, I mean, when you're younger, like even if you may be like 12 or something, it's really difficult to be able to connect the dots when a situation is going on. Yeah. And when you have that opportunity to really just break it down at the very end, just understand, okay, this is what was going on. This is where I was coming from. This is where the other person was coming from. And this is how we dealt with it. I feel like that's really important. That's a really just, that's a really important aspect in terms of being able to resolve conflict because they're able to have the tools instead of having to figure it out themselves. And a lot of the times when people try to figure it out themselves, a lot of the times they can get sidetracked or end up having a different idea about what happened than what actually did happen. And a lot of those times that can be very hurtful. Like when you get to the wrong idea, I mean, a lot of times people end up internalizing that kind of stuff when that may not entirely be the case. Yeah, exactly. It's the elephant in the room and people aren't talking about it. And so I'll make up my own not always great ideas about what it is. Mm -hmm. Which is why, yeah, I, I want them to come back and say, this is what it is. Yeah. And uh, there's another thing I'd like to add. Like when people are able to talk about this, I feel like it has to be in a position where they're able to really just be able to 
be brought back down to a base level where they're not influenced by a lot of the stuff that's going on inside of their head that may can that may have contributed towards the conflict in the first place. They really need to be in a place where they can talk about this objectively and rationally as opposed to being fueled by whatever stuff is going on in their heads because a lot of the times that can lead to miscommunication. And I feel like that's the most important thing, just being able to really talk about this as as individuals as opposed to being super emotionally charged about all this. Absolutely. Oh, we're echoing each other now. (laughs) We are. What advice then do you give parents? Um, The best advice I could give to parents is just to really look at yourself and look at what you're just really, when you are doing something, just really try and be self-aware of what you're doing and how it could be affecting other people. Because a lot of times, if you just look at yourself in the mirror, like you're like, wow, this is, I'm really just... I'm really coming from a place of a lot of hurt, a lot of insecurity, but a lot of people don't realize that right now. I really think that self-introspection, self-awareness is really key in terms of being able to interact with other people, being able to have conversations, having meaningful conversations with your spouse or with your kids or with other people that you're around. Just really think about what your action, really think about what you're doing, really think about how it can be affecting other people because the odds are it is like there is going to be an effect for everything that happens. Yeah, there's always going to be a cause and effect. There's always going to be something that will possibly happen afterwards. And really just be aware. Just really think about the consequences of what it is that you could be doing. Think really think about is what I'm doing really what I want for myself? Is it really what's best for other people around me as well? If something does happen, just really try your best to really look at yourself. I mean, that whole um, point about being vulnerable, being able to put yourself in an, unco- an uncomfortable situation to be able to apologize if something happens. That takes a lot of courage to be able mm-hmm. to do. And I feel like just being able to be more aware of that, I feel like is the most important thing and being able to really let that happen. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't really want to put themselves through yeah. due to that, but it's important. Such an important point, Brian. And just to echo that again, it takes a lot of strength to not only be aware, but to say, hey, I'm hurting right now. I'm in pain. I need to go take care of myself. This is what I need or want to feel better so that I can do a better job. Um, but again, being strong enough, courageous enough to admit I'm hurting right now. I'm in pain. Um, you know, they have that saying in therapy, name it to tame it. Own it. Just go ahead and tell the people around you, like, I've got to go take care of myself. I'm not doing well right now. Mm-hmm. And leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to add the apology part. There has to be an action behind it. Too many apologies may be sincere. But you find people just go back and continue doing it, whatever the negative actions is. And so I feel like as a parent, we're modeling what should be excellent. So if you do get the resolution and you apologize, then you need to make a change. You need to stop whatever you say you're going to stop or do whatever you're going to say you do. I would have that as part of the apology. What is it you're going to do differently? You can even go as far as you've really made a big mistake and how you're going to make amends to that person. How, you know, I'm going to, I want to make it up to you, whatever this is in whatever way. I mean, maybe allow the person that you're apologizing to, to, to describe what would make it up to them. What would make this right or better or okay? Mm -hmm. Because we talk about cause and effect. If you want to have trust, the only way to build trust is action. Words does not build trust. Action builds trust. If you're going to apologize and you're going to list what you're going to do, you need to follow it up with action. That creates trust. Thank you for saying that. I have so many parents that think they can demand trust 
it's like uh, demanding that a person feels safe. <laughs> it doesn't really work <laughs> that way. Mm-hmm. I remember a colleague in business once telling me, you, you get the trust you deserve. You get the respect you deserve. In other words, you, you need to be trustworthy. You need to be safe. Yep. You need to be respectful to get those things in return. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for parents in this subject? Gosh, everything that Brian already said. <laughs> okay. Seriously, <laughs> listen, uh, be aware of yourself. Apologize. Name it, apologize. <laughs> make mistakes. Love each other. Talk to each other. Talk. Final question before we head out. Mm-hmm. What advice or words of wisdom would you give the kids? This may be a little bit easier said than done, but I mean, if you see any of these things ha- happening, whether it be conflicts with the family, conflicts between people, between friends, between colleagues, I also encourage people to be more self-aware of that and just really try to look at the situation from a different point of view. I actually remember this whole model that one of my former mentors actually kind of told me. There are different ways in looking at a situation. There's the point of view of the critic, the one who always just likes to criticize whatever's going on. There's the point of view of the emotionally charged person, kind of like the little kid that's inside of all of us that doesn't really make sense of everything rationally, but just has a very strong emotional response. And also the more objective observer and just being able to really relate all those three things and just being able to see situations from those three different point of views and what could be going on. This is why this person may be doing this thing. This is why this person may be responding in such a way. And also just being able to realize that, and this applies more to parents. If you realize that your parents are going through a tough time and that you may feel like you may not be understood by them, you have to understand the human beings too. And that's something that's really difficult to do, especially mm-hmm. at a younger age. Everyone's human. Everyone makes mistakes. And just being able to understand why those mistakes happen and having the foresight to look at the different triggers that could lead to another conflict in the the future and just being able to recognize them when they come up and being able to kind of diffuse them. If you see something that may be escalating, I mean, just trying to be aware of those different signs that something may happen and just being able to brace yourself when it does happen. And for the next time, just see what you can do differently if things end up becoming repetitive or things happen over and over again. This also applies to the parents too. I just wanted to make sure to say how grateful I am for Brian being a guest on this show. We need you. Yes. We need to hear from you and people like you. I really do believe the solution has to come from people your age and younger. So please come back if you've yeah. got more insight or yeah. other things, stories you want to tell or topics you want to discuss that are bothering you. Even if you don't have the answers, bring it please here and, and let's talk some yeah. more. Yeah. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, how much I appreciate you sharing your time and your insights and thoughts and wisdom with me, as well as the parents listening. And Anna, thank you for being here also today. We hope that you have gotten a little bit wiser even a little bit from listening to this show. Always be learning and always be growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.